Hello and welcome. My name is Chris Rawl and it is Monday, August 23rd. On today's show, the process of improvement in the game of golf and how it mimics the team building process in the world of professional sports. Before we get there, I want to give you one reason why gambling should be legal everywhere on planet Earth and even everywhere in the entire solar system. Tonight, we have Monday Night Football preseason style. Jacksonville Jaguars, New Orleans Saints. I'm taking under 40 points. I'm doing this for a very specific reason. Now, the first half, it holds a lot of intrigue because both quarterback battles, if you want to call them that, are interesting. On the New Orleans side, Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston battling out to replace Drew Brees. Very intriguing. On the Jacksonville side of things, Urban Meyer, he continues to say that Trevor Lawrence is in a battle against Gardner Minshew for the starting quarterback position. We know that's not true. However, I'm very interested to watch Trevor Lawrence. The second half is where things get a little murky. That's why we're betting under 40 points. So we have reason to jump in when Jacksonville is throwing C.J. Beathard or Jake Luton under center and New Orleans is throwing Ian Book under center. We will have a very vested interest in what is going on tonight in the Monday Night Football preseason game. So why gambling should be legal everywhere? Because it will give us all incentive to stick around into the second half. And now, Sports with Chris Rawl. One of the most bizarre aspects of the game of golf that I have discovered throughout my career as a amateur golfer is the willingness for the vast majority of players to lie about their skill level or about their accomplishments. It's something that I can't ever fully wrap my head around. It is very bizarre. It is some strange strain of human psychology that I've not been able to totally comprehend. I can't tell you how many golfers that I have come across who will tell me, oh, yeah, I shot 37 on nine holes recently, or yeah, I play as a four handicap. And within three swings, I can immediately see through this facade that was constructed by themselves. You know, they offered up the information. It was completely false. It proved to be so immediately. And then I sit there looking at them with my eyebrow furrowed going, why would you feel compelled to lie to me about something that is going to immediately be proven False. There's nothing else like it that I have come across in my life, especially when it comes to sports. Um, I've never come across people who will say, I can score 50 points in a basketball game. And then I go, let's go play basketball. And they don't know how to shoot. They're throwing the ball underhand with one arm and, and missing the backboard and the rim. There's nothing like that in the world of basketball. I don't come across people who will say, I can run a 4-140. And then I say, yeah, let's time you right now. And they run a six-second flat 40. Uh, the, the discrepancy between what a lot of people within the world of golf will claim and what is actual reality for them is vast in a way that I, again, have not come across in really any other walk of life. Now, for your average bozo golfer who likes to go out and play you know, three times a year, this doesn't really matter. Again, it's more an uh, interesting element of human psychology and one that I'm not really feeling compelled to discuss today. Um, What makes so many terrible golfers want to lie about their skill level? Who knows? Uh, What do they actually expect from themselves when they step onto the course and there's no way in hell that they could shoot better than 160 and 18 holes? Who knows? What do they expect from themselves when they top the ball eight times in a row and they're angry? I don't know. I I couldn't tell you. It's very strange. 
Um, it all boils down to the question of what do you expect? When I look at people who are very bad at golf and who never golf, which is the key component to getting better at a sport that is very frustrating and hard to get better at, I just go, well, what would you expect in this situation? It makes no sense to expect anything beyond what you're doing on the golf course. Now, where this becomes more interesting and where I want to concentrate today's show on is that for people who are more serious about their craft, not the weekend bozo, but people who are trying to genuinely get better. And golf is not a game that can really be mastered. I think that's one of the draws of it. But as you try to get better, as you try to improve greatly, this is where this process of kind of truthful self-assessment is vital in contrast to kind of your weekend bozo who love to just come out and make strange claims about what they did last week and then shoot 180 in front of you. Now, I want to read something from Seth Partnow of The Athletic, and it pertains to team building in professional sports, but I think there's a lot of crossover in the way that golf and the process of improvement within that game is constructed and team building in the world of professional sports is also constructed. So this is Seth Partnow of The Athletic. Team building never stops. There is no such thing as standing still, as either the forces of entropy are tearing a team down or moves to bring in new talent and internal growth are pushing it forward. To continue to get better, there must be constant self-assessment as to where a roster is, both in terms of the collective fit, but also the level of talent for each individual player. Talent does not exist in a vacuum. In a small competitive system like the NBA's, Ability relative to the rest of the league is what matters, end quote. So there's a lot of very interesting lines and ideas within this paragraph, and I want to concentrate on three of them today. The first one is that constant self-assessment, kind of a integral piece within any walk of life when it comes to improvement and within the world of sports, both individually and collectively. So the individual side, I'm going to talk a lot about golf and what I personally go through and learn within the game. And on the collective side, I want to talk about a lot of these team building concepts that Seth Partnow is referencing within that quote. So on the golfing side, for your more serious golfers, who I would consider myself to be one, I love the game. I love trying to improve. I play every day, all that kind of stuff. The above questions that I pose to the weekend bozo, uh, especially that one very vital one, what do you actually expect? That question and those questions take on a lot more weight and meaning within the process of trying to improve. Um, I've been asking myself a similar question every single day for years and years and years. How do I get better at golf? Which you hear and you think that sounds very simple, but crafting a way to get better at golf is infinitely harder than just you know these simple six words or seven words or however many is within that sentence. It's a process that is based upon kind of three things within my own experience. And I think those three things branch out into the team building experience. That self-assessment, um, the truth that comes within that process of assessment. And sometimes it's truth that you don't necessarily want to hear, but it's kind of vital to improving. And then belief. And belief is kind of the one that has to come after the first two, as I'm going to get into how these things work in unison, they dictate the terms of improvement. I think of the Milwaukee Bucks' recent championship run, and I think that it was like a masterclass example of those three ideas, self-assessment, truth, and belief working together in unison. The self-assessment we saw over the course of years, 
as they tried to construct a roster and as each individual within that roster kind of had to take a long look at themselves and say, how do I improve? Giannis, we've seen him rise from nothing into two-time MVP and now finals MVP. Chris Middleton from total unknown out of Texas A&M into the best perimeter scorer on a championship-level team. Drew Holiday, uh, go down the list of all these people on that roster. Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis. All of these people had to go through the individual process of what am I and what are the areas that I can improve? What are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? Is it realistic to expect to get better at my strengths? Is it realistic to expect to mitigate my weaknesses? Uh, and that's the process of assessing. And that's the truth kind of that you find. Uh, and in the, at the professional level, you get to a certain point where within the organization, you think you've made enough strides in both of those areas. You've been truthful with yourself. And through that truthfulness and that constant assessment and just kind of building yourself into something better than you currently are or were, uh, then you arrive at the place where you think, all right, I think we can contend for a championship. That's where that belief factor comes into play. And I think a lot of people outside of the building, when it comes to the Bucks, I'll include myself in this category, we're not full bore believers in them as a championship team, especially after the last few years, when we watched their style of play in the playoffs fizzle out, when we watched Giannis show the flaws that he has within his game, within uh, the confines of a playoff series and thought, I don't know, there's a lot of things that I think are going to hamper this team when it comes to the ultimate goal of winning a championship. Now, the organization itself had belief and they said, no, we trust in Giannis to be the best player. We trust in Milton to be the best perimeter scorer for this team in crunch time. And we trust that Drew Holiday is going to be one of the key pieces to bring us a championship. And so we'll trade two first-rounders and two first-round pick swaps and Eric Bledsoe. And this is the vision we have, and this is the belief we have in ourselves and this vision, and now we have a championship. Uh, That's the best-case scenario of that process. So back to golf, every day on my drive home from the course, um, I go over every single shot. It's that self-assessment, constant, 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 constant. Literally hole by hole, shot by shot. You know, start out with hole one. All right, I was trying to hit a drive, uh, try to play a cut on the left side of the fairway, try to end up in the middle. Did I actually do that? Uh, It's that separation of process from results that is very important in the game of golf. It's one of the basic principles that you will hear nearly everybody who is serious about the game preach. You have to separate those two things because the game can be so random that it will drive you insane if you are not able to go, did I actually control what I can control? And then... The outcome, yes, it matters to a certain extent, but I know that if I control the process, that's a sustainable way to get better and a sustainable way to exist within the confines of a tournament moving forward. Uh, That's the main question you're asking yourself when you're breaking it down into process and results. Um, Is this sustainable, right? Uh, I'll go back to another NBA team from this past season that I find to be interesting in this context, the Brooklyn Nets, who did not win a championship. If you're looking strictly at results, you would say, all right, if the be-all, end-all is winning a championship, well, that's a failure, and they had so much talent, and do we want to run this back, or how should we tweak this team? If you look at the Brooklyn Nets with a logical mind, like I think the powers that be within that organization definitely looked at over the offseason, and the way that I looked at as a fan, uh, I go, well, they had bad injury luck, they accumulated the most talented threesome in the NBA in Durant and Harden and Kyrie, when they were playing together, they looked far and away like the best team in basketball. 
Unfortunately, in that Milwaukee series, Harden pulls his hamstring. Kyrie rolls his ankle. Durant is still just going off on a game-by-game basis. They're this close to beating Milwaukee in Game 7 of overtime of that series. However, the process there is sound. You've accumulated awesome talent. It fit really well together when it was on the court. And so rather than weeping and gnashing your teeth and tearing your hair out and saying, we got to change this completely, the Nets say, all right, let's make some minor tweaks around these big three. But we will trust in this vision. We will trust in this talent. And we'll trust that going into this next NBA season, with a little bit better injury luck, we're going to be NBA champions. That's the separation of process and results that I go through as an amateur golfer that I think is really important to that process of improvement. And that every single team has to go through, whether in the season or in the offseason, when it comes to uh, these truths about the way that you built your team and whether or not you actually are a championship contender. So back to golf. Um, On the course itself, score is the only thing that matters. You kind of have to separate your mind when you're on the course from the way that you try to improve off the course. Uh, Many times your score doesn't necessarily reflect the truth of your performance. Uh, I would say in my estimation for good golfers, you kind of have about a six-shot window that you can swing day-to-day depending upon just randomized chance. The wind, the bounce, uh, all the just funky things that go into the game of golf. So one day it's a 70, the next day it's a 76, you played the exact same. That's where the process of looking at yourself honestly and finding truth about your performance comes into play separating the process from the results. Off the course, that's where this becomes really important. Um, And the ability to detach your mind from on the course, this is the only thing that matters. Off the course, it actually doesn't matter at all. What matters is the process and whether or not that is sustainable moving forward. And also this helps you understand, okay, these are the avenues that I have in front of me in order to improve. Uh, It's not the most fun of processes. Many times. Uh, I can attest to that within my own golf journey. But it teaches you things that you believe about yourself are false a lot of the times. And that's very important when you're trying to improve. I'll stretch it out into the team building exercise again. And I've talked about this on a show last week when it comes to my favorite college football team, Nebraska football, who for going on two decades now, Uh, I think there's not a lot of honesty when it comes to assessment within that organization. And every year going in, they look at the schedule and everybody's talking about the rosy future and we can win 10 games and and this team, that's a guaranteed win and this team's a guaranteed win. And then it's a four and eight season and everybody's looking at themselves at the end of the year going, how did this go wrong? It seems so promising. And me, a a really hardcore fan of this team and one that follows them closely I feel like the signs and the cracks in the foundation are always there. And instead of acknowledging them and saying, okay, the truth is we are not very good. How do we go about a baby step by baby step process of improvement? Instead, it's just, oh, well, we were four and eight last year, but maybe there's a miniature tweak and then we'll win 10 games. Look at our schedule. We can beat all these teams. There's six guaranteed wins. And then we just need to beat Michigan or Iowa or teams like this. It doesn't do service to a team that is in, much worse state than I think they're willing to believe year after year after year. Within my own uh, seek to improve or seeking of improvement within the game of golf, I had to go through 
that. And it wasn't fun. The first few tournaments that I entered into, when I had those visions of grandeur for myself, the Nebraska 10-win season, and I said, well, I've been able to shoot 90 in very clear-cut circumstances and very rarely, but I possess the capability of shooting 90, which I fast-forwarded to the logical end of, well, I can shoot 90 in a tournament. And so I signed up, and the very first few that I played in, well, that didn't come to fruition because it's a very different ball game playing in a tournament rather than just going and playing with your friends and not really keeping track of things in a way that people at the start of their golfing uh, journey do. So instead of shooting 90, I'm shooting over 120 every single tournament I enter into. Uh, and this is kind of a come-to-Jesus moment for myself. I have to make the decision, am I serious about playing golf and trying to get better? And after a while, I decided, yeah, I am. That There's a lot of lure that this sport holds, especially when it comes to someone who values trying to get better at something that's really, really hard to get better at. So then I had to take a long look in the mirror and say, okay, I am over 30 shots off in my assessment of myself. That is the reality, uh, which sucks because now I have to figure out to get to the point that I thought I was at, I have to shave 30 shots off of my game within these tournaments, uh, which again, great come to Jesus moment. And also a really stimulating way that put me on a path to improvement of, okay, well, where are those 30 shots coming from? When I look at the golfers I was going with who were infinitely better than I, who were shooting 70 and 69 and 68, I would say, okay, there's a 50 shot gap between those people and myself. What is separating us? Uh, which when there's 50 shots of separation, you can find things really, really quickly to shave off of your game. And at that point, it's about, okay, I've made this assessment. This is the truth. Now I got to practice, 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 practice. And now let's assess again in a month and see where I'm at and then assess again and assess again. Uh, and sometimes, especially the better you get, that turns into a daily constant self-assessment that Seth Partner was referencing in the quote that I read earlier. So there's another part of that quote from Seth that I want to concentrate on, uh, an individual line within it. Ability relative to the rest is what matters. Now, when we're talking about improvement trajectory, this becomes really important when you ascend to a level of being actually good at your craft, whether that's within golf, whether that is you've built a team that is actually good now. Uh, now, the ability of yourself or your team relative to the best, that is what is going to matter. Uh, and this is an even harsher process of self-assessment. Because the better you get, the more you're going to thirst for that mountaintop. It's human nature. You never just get better and go, okay, I'm content. You go, well, I've gotten infinitely better, but I'm not at the very top. Can I just get to there? It's so close, but it's never as simple as just, okay, little other blip and now I'm at the top of the mountain. Uh, my local NBA team, the Utah Jazz in the state where I live, I think that they are feeling this particular feeling. If you went to everyone in their organization four years ago when Gordon Hayward had just left in free agency and Donovan Mitchell was coming in as an unknown rookie and you said, hey, for the next four years, you're going to have a team that'll make the playoffs every year. You'll make the second round twice. Mitchell, he looks like this blossoming offensive star. You're going to have a lot of great, great pieces around him. I think everybody would immediately sign up for that in that organization. They would have done backflips and jumping jacks and, and all the things. And yet the way that it's played out as is human nature, I think this offseason was that feeling of we are so close, yet we are so far. It's kind of fueled by the way that those four years have gone. 
and the feeling that the Jazz left something on the table as the best record in the regular season last year, up 2-0 in their second-round playoff series against the Clippers, despite having Conley out with a hamstring injury, despite having Mitchell hampered with an ankle injury, and then blowing that 2-0 lead, losing four straight, the last two without Kawhi Leonard. I think the Jazz are sitting there going, okay, we have improved greatly in these last four years, and especially over these last, you know, post Darren Williams and Carlos Boozer years, almost a decade now. Uh, okay, we are close. We can taste it. We just saw a Bucks team that a lot of people did not have belief in that they could win a championship. They just won in a funky COVID year, albeit, but still they won a championship because the breaks went their way and they had trust in themselves. All right, we're pretty close. How much of our vision do we want to tweak? And how much do we just roll back and say, have faith? Uh, how much of this process of self-assessment and truth, how much of it do we actually need right now in present day? Or do we have a championship contender on our hands? That's what the Jazz are feeling themselves. Um, when it goes back to the world of golf and me as an individual, that ascension from really high up to the actual peak, it's the hardest part of improvement within the game of golf. Anybody who knows anything about that arc will tell you the exact same thing. It's one thing to shave off uh, being a... 50 shots over par and shaving it down to 20 shots over par. That can happen relatively quickly. It's still a ton of work, but you just start chipping better and putting better and you can shave off a lot of strokes in a short amount of time. But getting from a 20 handicap to a 10 handicap, that's a whole different ballgame. Getting from a 10 to a 5, another whole different ballgame. And when you shrink those margins down to a 3 handicap versus a scratch golfer, again, it seems so close, but it's so far. Um, This is where... The belief part of this kind of three-pronged approach that I personally like that I think is mimicked within the team building world comes into play. That idea of belief, like I talked about with the Bucks. Um, this is really coming into play for me personally in present day with golf. In a lot of areas, the one that I think is most interesting is trying to change my mind into regarding people who are good at golf as my peers. Um, these people who I mentioned earlier, who were beating me by literally 50 shots, who I've played with for years and years and years, and seven years ago would beat me by 50. And now in present day, I can make a run head to head straight up, uh, trying to tweak my mindset. That's one of the questions that I'm trying to go through right now of saying, okay, these people kicked my ass for years. They were so much better than me at this game. And now I'm on the upper trend and I've improved a lot. How do I go from rather than looking at myself as kind of an outlier and going, wow, this is crazy in this day that I beat this person who used to whoop me. How do I go from that mindset to saying, no, 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 no. These are my contemporaries. I've improved enough or I have improved enough that I can regard these people who I know are good at golf as my contemporaries. And in turn, look at myself and go, oh, okay. If I follow that to the logical conclusion, then that would mean I'm good at golf, and that belief becomes even stronger. Uh, This is where the first two steps, that constant self-assessment and that identification of truth, it becomes really important because all the belief in the world, it's not going to make up for a very large discrepancy in those first two areas when you talk about that relative to the field idea from Seth Partnow. Um, If I have a lot of belief right now and I try to go and play against professional golfers, I'm going to get blasted because... My actual tools, the physical skills, and those kind of basic uh, foundation that I've laid in my own game, that doesn't measure up to a professional golfer. Within the amateur world, okay, I can hopefully bridge that gap 
between me and the very best uh, amateur golfers that I play against with this belief. I can bridge that gap if it's small. Uh, it's kind of the mystical element of sports and really the mystical element of golf that I love that can't be quantified, but it also remains hugely important. Uh, I'll talk with this about, or I'll talk with this to people who don't golf and sometimes they'll just go, this is very bizarre, but I'll talk with this to people who golf avidly and they'll just in a heartbeat go, I understand completely. It's kind of this idea that believing, once you have enough physical skills, that believing you will hit the shot is more important than any mechanical uh, underpinnings that go into the shot itself. The full extension or where you are impact, that becomes less important than the belief that you can and will hit this shot. It's very strange, but it's true. Um, it's the same idea that the belief that you will hit this putt is infinitely more important than reading the line or the stroke itself. Um, again, very hard and strange to explain and comprehend if you don't golf, but people within that world will understand completely what I'm talking about. It's that union. The first two things have to happen, the constant self-assessment, the self-identification of truth, and in turn, it unlocks that door into, okay, how much am I willing to believe in myself as an individual on the team building side? Okay, how much are we willing to believe in this vision that we have laid the foundation for and believe that we can ascend to the mountaintop with the team that we have constructed? So there's one more thing that comes from that Seth Partnow quote, uh, another line that I want to end with. There's no such thing as standing still, which is also vital within uh, a lot of areas. Um, standing still, you know, it's essentially being left behind. That's true within the process of improvement. That's definitely true within the world of golf. It's true within the world of professional sports where things are moving 3 million miles per second. As I referenced on Thursday's show about the NFL, there's always somebody ready. Again, either an individual or collectively as a team, there's always somebody ready and motivated to take your spot. That's where this becomes a never-ending process. Assessment, truth, belief, over, 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 over. Even if you win a championship, you just start over again, right? Because as soon as you stand still, there's always going to be somebody who is just as good or better and hungrier. And they'll come and they'll take your place. Uh, this is where all three parts of this improvement process take on so much importance. That constant self-assessment, kind of the mechanism through which you do improve, as I've really leaned into within my own personal golf journey, that identification of truth uh, and kind of the inevitable road it leads you down, which is first harsh and then at a certain point, okay, have I maxed out my potential in this specific area? And if so, how do I go about improving in other areas? Again, kind of a never-ending process as I'm finding out within my own personal golf journey. And then that final one, when you've asserted or when you've ascended to a certain level of skill, it's that belief, that uh, thing you can't fully define or put your finger on. You know what it is to yourself as an individual or collectively as a team, but you're hoping, okay, I have the skills in place. Now this is going to be the thing that takes me across the finish line. Um, and the teams that I follow, some of them, which I mentioned in this show, they are in various stages of kind of this never-ending process. Again, remember, as Seth Partnow says, there's no such thing as standing still. This process, it doesn't end ever. Nebraska football, which I mentioned before, 
they're kind of unable to comprehend their relationship between that constant self-assessment and the truth. I think there's a lot of falsehood that the organization and program believes about itself. Uh, its place within the college football world in present day and how quickly and able it will be to ascend to a place that it used to inhabit within the world of college football. I think they are really whiffing when it comes to the relationship between a constant self-assessment of itself as a program and the truth that arises from that process. The Utah Jazz, who I mentioned earlier, they're kind of straddling the line between truth and belief. They're asking that question, are we an NBA title contender? Only people within the organization could actually, if you gave them truth serum, be able to tell you whether or not they truly believe that or whether they think, uh, we are a very good basketball team. Again, we were the best regular season team in basketball last year. We had the best net rating, all these things. However, the playoffs, they are different. And only people within that organization could tell you. We think we're a slight step back of true NBA title contenders in the playoffs. Or they could be like the Bucks and say, no, we think we have what it takes. And with the right breaks, we could win a title starting this season. Uh, and the last two teams that when it comes to those that I follow closest. Um, the Green Bay Packers, my favorite NFL team. Colorado Avalanche, my favorite hockey team. Squarely in that stage of belief. Um, I think they have done a very good job of those first two stages. Constant self-assessment and truth and really creating a roster and a team that is awesome. It's the place that everybody, individually or collectively, strives for as I'm looking for within my own game of golf. Uh, we have what it takes. Now, how do we ascend to the mountaintop in this moment? 